Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapture. So in the middle of the 1980s, a movie comes on HBO that stars Virginia Madsen and Lenny Von Dolan. They run it all the time and I cannot stop watching it. We didn't have a whole lot of blank videotapes. My mania for this film was so consuming that the tape I used for just general purpose, basically the tape that was allotted to me to do my recording, I recorded this film, Electric Dreams, and refused to tape over it. This escalated the film's prominence in my house and brought it to the attention of my mother, who was curious about this film that I love so much and sat down to watch it with me. This might have been my 22nd viewing, and I was still riveted by it. Unbeknownst to me, my mother thought that perhaps I was developing some sort of crush on Virginia Matson, who figures very prominently in the film, and she shared that with my sisters. My mother exercised restraint in what could have been a crush. My sisters exercised zero restraint when they suspected some sort of crush. So at the dinner table that night, they started teasing me. I didn't understand why they were teasing me. It hadn't even occurred to me to have a crush on Virginia Matson, but the truth was more difficult to face, so I just sort of let it go. That truth was that I didn't have a crush on Virginia Matson. Instead, I was in love with the computer in the film. Having a computerized friend was something I always wanted. Seeing one come to life in a film was magical to me, and I couldn't get over it. So I didn't say anything, and I just let them tease me. There are a few films in my life that are part of the pop culture DNA that help to make me the person that I am. Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, films like that. Probably the most obscure film that I would count amongst those films would be this film, Electric Dreams. It is not a film that has been favorably reviewed by many, but it has its fans, like me. In fact, I like it so much that I would count it probably in my top 10 films of all time. It is certainly my favorite romantic comedy. That is why I have chosen it as the film I wanted to cover for my 150th episode. On today's show, we'll talk about Electric Dreams, we'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera, we'll talk about the plot of the film, its reception, its stellar soundtrack, its release on home video, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Electric Dreams is a 1984 sci-fi romantic drama comedy. It is set in the beautiful city of San Francisco, and it depicts a love triangle between a man, a woman, and his computer. The film stars Virginia Matson, Lenny Von Dolan, and the voice of Bud Court. It was directed by Steve Barron, and it was the first film to be released by the Virgin Films Production Company. I say it is a love triangle between man, woman, and computer. At the very beginning of the film, it describes itself as a fairy tale for computers, and it kind of is, and we'll talk a little bit about the plot and what the story is a little bit later. The film was directed by Steve Barron. He's an Irish director, producer, probably best known for directing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Coneheads, as well as some really popular music videos like Michael Jackson's Billie Jean and Aha's Take On Me. The film was produced by Larry DeWay, Rusty Lemerand, and Richard Branson. Sir Richard Branson is the founder of the Virgin Group of Companies, and there's like a billion of those. If you've never heard of him, he's this immensely rich business magnate from Britain. If you see anything with the word Virgin on it, like Virgin Airways, Virgin Mobile, that's him. I think there's even a Virgin Cola. Larry DeWay produced a couple of other pretty popular films over the years. He worked on Backdraft, The Hunt for Red October, Yentl, Rob Roy, and of course Electric Dreams, amongst others. Rusty Lemerand was the producer, but he was also the writer. He's also an actor, director. Got his first big break working on the film Caddyshack. He would team up with Barbara Streisand to produce Yentl. Then he would go on to write Electric Dreams and followed that up by co-writing and producing the 3D theme park film Captain EO starring Michael Jackson. Some have said that Lemerand is the father of 4D filmmaking because he suggested that added effects be put into this Captain EO, things like smoke and lasers that would be triggered along with the film. Today's show is brought to you by your local moving company. Feeling endangered by your newly sentient computer? Why not hire your local moving company and move out? Take the work out of moving. Extra care always buys. Your helping hand out of that. Love those moving companies. The film is set in San Francisco, and you'll see a lot of famous landmarks in the film including an extended scene that takes place on Alcatraz, where the two main characters get away with way too many shenanigans. I have been on Alcatraz many times, and I don't think I would ever be able to get away with the stuff that they got away with in the film. The film itself is based on the story of Cyrano de Bergerac, which is a story of unrequited love, which you might have read in high school, or may have seen it done by Steve Martin in the film Roxanne. Now I'm about to talk about the plot of the film. I'll be brief, but there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen the film, I hope this inspires you to do so. If you plan on seeing it, you might want to pause here, run to the internet, watch it, come on back. But here goes. The film is about Miles Harding, sometimes referred to as Moles Harding by his computer. Miles is completely disorganized, so he takes a suggestion from a friend to go buy an organizer. Instead, he allows himself to be talked into buying a full-fledged computer system made by the fictitious Pinecone Computer Company. Miles brings the computer home, sets it up, 
to do all sorts of cool things like run his house. Then some problems happen and Miles, while trying to prevent the computer from overheating, pours champagne into it. This causes the computer somehow to become sentient. Miles works in architecture and wants to build a brick that will survive an earthquake. So he had tapped into his company's mainframe, which gives the computer basically unlimited computing power. And as he gets more and more intelligent, he starts to exhibit human qualities, or at least wants to emulate them, and one of those is love. Meanwhile, Miles meets Madeline, who lives next door, and starts to fall for her. I said there was a Cyrano connection. The computer, who we find out at the end of the movie, is named Edgar, first starts to interact with the world when he hears Madeline playing her cello in the next room and he's in love with this entity who can make such beautiful music, and he himself makes beautiful music that he is going to share with her through Miles, who takes credit for it. And there's a lot of comedy involving the music. Things come to a head when Edgar wants to meet Madeline, because he thinks that she's in love with him, because he made all the music. But then he starts to realize that as a computer, he could never be with her, and he's just in the way. And to demonstrate his love, he commits suicide. Or does he? In the end, as Miles and Madeline ride into the sunset over the Golden Gate Bridge, they turn their radio to a station that has a call-in, and the voice of Edgar dedicates a song that he wrote to the people he loves. So somehow, this sentient computer was not destroyed, but instead moved out into the great computer sphere, I guess, a pre-internet, a happy ending for everyone. So if you're watching this film, stay tuned till after the credits, because there's some fun stuff there. We'll return after these messages. While Atari keeps trying to sell you new systems like the 5200, with ColecoVision you only need one system, because ColecoVision expands to give you a Super Action controller set with Super Action Baseball, a driving module with Turbo, an expansion module to play all Atari 2600 games, and only ColecoVision expands to become Atom, the complete family computer system. So if you don't want to keep buying new systems, there's only one system to buy, ColecoVision. Sorry, Atari. This is the new Apple IIc. This is a computer they call Junior. You might think they're similar, but this one can only run this many programs, while the Apple IIc can run this many. The Apple comes with its disk drive built in, so it's much smaller. Even the price is small. Now, which one would you rather take home? The new Apple IIc. And now, back to the show. The film stars Lenny Von Dolan as Miles Harding. Von Dolan, born in 1958, is an American film, stage, and television actor. Probably best known for his work in Electric Dreams, but he was also in the TV series Twin Peaks and continues to work today. Virginia Matson played Madeline Robestat. She was born in 1961 continues to work today, was nominated for an Academy Award in 2004 for Sideways. If you're wondering, where have I seen her before? Maybe you're a Dune fan, because she happens to appear in the 1984 David Lynch science fiction epic, Dune. Between these two, there is a lot of chemistry. 
There's some quotes from Virginia Matson about the film saying she had a big crush on Lenny Von Dolan while they were filming it, but sadly, nothing happened. And to this day, they are still friends. The voice of Edgar was Bud Court. Bud Court was born Walter Edward Cox in 1948. He's a film and stage actor, writer, director, probably best known for his betrayal of Harold in the 1971 cult classic Harold and Maude. He was also in the Robert Altman film Brewster McCloud. Bud Court is a very important part of the film, but the stars of the film, when playing against him, never saw him. He did his entire performance from inside a box on the set, and that's because the director thought if the other performers saw him as a human, they would start to act like they were interacting with a human instead of a computer, and then that would show up on the camera, and he didn't want any of that. Why did they choose the name Edgar? Who knows? Fun fact, there was a text editor on IBM mainframes back in the day called Edgar, so maybe they got inspiration from that. Those are the three main characters, two sort of side characters that are worth talking about. Maxwell Caulfield played Bill, sort of the other love interest of Madeline. He's kind of a jerk. Born in 1959, he's an English film, stage, and television actor. Probably best known for his role as Michael Carrington in Grease 2. At least that's where I know him best from. He was also on Dynasty and the Colbys. Whenever I see him, all I can think about is the scene where he's thinking to himself as he rides his motorcycle in the Who's That Guy number from Grease 2, when he says, what would they say if they knew it was Michael? Whenever I see him, that's all I think of. Another actor from the film was Mr. Riley, who was Miles' boss. He's played by Don Fellows. Don Fellows has a pretty amazing resume. He was in Space 1999, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Omen. Quite a character actor. One thing that you will notice in the film is all this great technology. A lot of it is completely fictitious, but some of it was stuff that would actually work at the time. Watching it now, it's just kind of fun to see all this really cool stuff on the shelves of the computer workstore where he buys his pinecone computer. Just pause and look at the shelves. There's also a great scene where Madeline is at a convenience store playing Space Invaders. What's your preference? Apple? Pear? Wang? Oh, listen, I don't know anything about computers. Nobody does. Miles just bought a computer, and he got more than he bargained for. You're talking. You know this. Madeline just moved in upstairs, and she's the girl he's falling for. I can't play that for her. I want to squeeze you, lick you, pucker up, and kiss you. You make her sound like a lemon. But I don't know what love is. You never told me. Did you write that for me? No, well, I mean, did you like it? When Edgar comes between them... I want to meet her. Things start to get electric. <laughs> Over my life. Are you sure you don't have a dog? No, just a pest. How did Electric Dreams do in the theater? Not well. It was released on July twentieth, nineteen eighty four. It had a budget of $3.5 million, and it only made $2.4 million. Reviews were mixed. 
Some people praised its sort of overt MTV-influenced style. Others disliked it. Siskel and Ebert, though, gave it two thumbs up. I like to think that the film performed poorly mostly because it came out at a time when there was a lot of really good stuff in the theaters. The week that it came out, things in the theater still were Ghostbusters, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, The NeverEnding Story, The Muppets Take Manhattan, The Last Starfighter, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Revenge of the Nerds, Star Trek Three. How does anyone expect to crack anything with a crowded field like this? In its opening week, it wasn't even in the top 10. Instead, it was number 14. If you want to know, Ghostbusters was still number one. And this was week seven of its release. start to enjoy Electric Dreams, you might want to investigate the amazing soundtrack. It is chock full of great music. Giorgio Morador gets musical credit on the film. Giovanni Giorgio Morador is an Italian record producer, songwriter, and performer. He started Oasis Records, which would become a subdivision of Casablanca Records. It's probably best known for his collaboration with Donna Summer during the disco era. He also founded the Musicland Studios in Munich, Germany which was used as a studio by artists like Led Zeppelin, Queen, Elton John, and ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra. Another important person was Jeff Lynne, who was an English songwriter, composer, all-around music guy. He is the sole constant member of ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra, and is a co-founder and member of the former Traveling Wilburys. He produced recordings for the Beatles and the individual members of the Beatles, Brian Wilson, Del Shannon, Tom Petty. The man has done a tremendous amount of stuff. Many people consider him one of the greatest record producers in music history. The soundtrack has music by Culture Club, Jeff Lynne, Philip Oakley, Heaven 17, and others. I remember at some point in the 90s, trying to find a copy of the soundtrack, and finally found it as an import and paid way too much to get it. It has been in my collection ever since, and I treasure it. I probably listen to it way too often. I guess I'm a big Jeff Lynne fan. We'll return after these messages. Some people think the IBM PC Jr. runs only about this much software. So wouldn't they be pleased to know that PC Junior runs over 50 of the most up-to-date word processing programs, over 25 mailing list and 15 database programs, over 60 programs for personal finance and home management. There are 15 programs for communications and another 15 for the stock market, over 200 for general business, over 300 for education, 10 programs to help you write your own programs, and hundreds more to help you do almost anything. Plus powerful new cartridge programs like Lotus 123. The truth is, PC Junior runs over a thousand of the best, most up-to-date programs. And with its new memory expansion attachment, it can run well over a thousand more. PC Junior from IBM, the computer that's growing by leaps and bounds. And now, back to the show.
The film was released on VHS in 1984, then again in 1991. It was released on Laserdisc in 85, and there was a video CD version of the film produced in 2001. Both of those are out of print. A Region 2 DVD was released in 2009. Unfortunately, there was some changes done to the film, the original Virgin Films animated logo, and the opening lines of Electric Dreams were removed. That's 20 seconds of the film. This film has tragically never been released on Blu-ray, and from what I understand, it's even difficult to find a rentable print of the film to show on theaters. I own a copy of Electric Dreams. It's a pretty good copy. But to get a copy that will play natively, you just can't go online. You have to look in gray market sources, and even then, they are overpriced. That doesn't mean that the film isn't worth it. It is worth tracking down. You will find it often posted online. It's been on YouTube a couple of times and taken down. I've kind of run a search whenever I'm in the mood to watch it and I'm away from home. If you have not seen Electric Dreams, please check it out. It's a film that came about at an exciting time in computers and in directing style. And artistically, it's very exciting to watch. It's also very entertaining. If you happen to love old technology, you'll probably get pretty excited seeing the stuff in the film. You'll roll your eyes sometimes. Maybe, just maybe, if you're not too cynical, you might buy into the love story. If that's the case, you'll probably come away from the film loving it as much as I do. And then you'll be like me, and you'll want to show it to everyone you know. And I encourage that 100%. Hopefully one day enough people will get excited for this title that we will see a full release, maybe something remastered. be great to get this out there digitally and on Blu-ray, DVD, every format possible so that future generations could enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. This is the 150th episode of the Retroist podcast. I hope you have enjoyed some of the 150 episodes. When I did my first episode, I did not think I would reach 10, then 50, then 100, then 150. I'm not sure if there is ever going to be an end in sight, but as long as people keep enjoying these, I will try my best to keep making them. The truth is that I don't do any of the work myself. I have a computer that many years ago I poured a bottle of RC Cola into, and he has been doing all the work for me for all these years, and you probably hear him as robot voice. I'd like to thank him for everything he's done, and I'd especially like to thank him for not trying to kill me in my sleep every night. If that ain't friendship, I don't know what is. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. This episode dedicated to the memory of Univac 1 and obsolete computers everywhere. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.